Hello, and welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 36. If you have an ADHD diagnosis, and let's say you got diagnosed when you were a kid, but then you notice that something might be still a little bit off, like, you know, you're losing hope. You don't have any motivation to do anything. And I don't mean just because you don't know where to start. This is the difference. With depression, you don't even want to start. You don't even, you have no desire to start with depression. ADHD, it's like, you don't know where to start. Right. Okay, I want to, but I'm just overwhelmed. There's too many different directions to go. You know what I mean? So if you are experiencing symptoms of like no interest in things you usually would have interest in, it's worthwhile to have a deeper look into what's going on, you know, psychologically with you so that you are, are well. The point is don't miss any comorbid diagnosis, just being fixated on, I have one diagnosis and that's all I'm aware of. And that's what I was told 25 years ago. And that's it because life happens and your brain can change as well. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you are going through your journey. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. Today, my guest is Dr. Kalaki. I'm excited to have her here. We're going to talk about her ADHD journey, and then we're going to get into core morbidity. So we talk a lot about that in the ADHD community, but I really wanted to get in the definition of it. So Dr. Kalaki, how are you? I'm good, Kenny. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Just tell a little bit about your background. So I am Dr. Kalaki Clark. I am a family physician here in Los Angeles. I have a background of uh, going to HBCU for undergraduate at State University for my science degree. I also went to medical school in Nebraska at Creighton University. And then I did residency, a little bit of residency training in internal medicine. And then more recently, 2017, I finished family medicine training uh, at UC Irvine. I also do have interest in um, primary care psychiatry. I did a fellowship after um, my residency training in which it teaches primary care physicians to learn more about being comfortable with treating patients uh, with psychiatric conditions. Wow. And I'm an ADHD advocate. That is awesome. That is awesome. And you said you're an ADHD advocate. So yeah, so actually that leads to my next question. So tell us a little bit about why you know about ADHD. Okay. Well, I can first say I don't know that much um, from ADHD about ADHD from medical school education, which was back in the 2000s, early 2000s, because at that time I was taught it's the hyperactive little boy who can't sit still. So uh, my knowledge and education regarding ADHD is not only personal because 2015, I was diagnosed with ADHD at age 35. And so that opened up a whole window, a whole Mm. world rather of education information regarding ADHD. So when you got that diagnosis, how did you feel? And then why did you even go for the diagnosis? You know, the diagnosis came to me. I didn't go to it. It came to me. Well, it was already with me all along. I just, it just showed itself strong in my life. So basically in my first year of residency training in family medicine, 
I got to the point where a lot of the, my functioning was not to par. So, you know, in my training, I'm expected to present information to my attending physicians in an organized fashion. I'm expected to finish my documentation on time. I'm expected mm -hmm. to just be organized and timely. And that just wasn't happening. Um, it was frustrating because I knew I wanted to be there. I knew I'm smart. I knew I'm a doctor and I love patients and I love helping everyone, but it was just something wasn't clicking. And so um, I did a rotation in psychiatry, child and adolescent psychiatry, and I shadowed a psychiatrist and many of her patients who were diagnosed with ADHD were looking just like me. Okay. They were smart. They were disorganized. They were losing things all the time. Mm. They were frustrated because of it and they were trying really hard. And so I did my own research and looked it up and I, I read my own life, you know, in, in the diagnosis and pursued more formal diagnosis from a psychologist. And um, there it was. Wow. ADHD, an attentive type. The inattentive type. Okay. So yes. why do you think that in your early years you were missed? I think likely because my focus since childhood was to be a physician. My parents were very supportive of that. Not that I blame them at all, at all, regards to not knowing, but all I did was study. I studied, I studied, I didn't bother anybody. Um, it was a struggle to get me to clean my room. However, it was, a, I got a pass because I'm studying because I'm going to be a doctor. And so school and achievement was uh, not that it was easy, but I enjoyed it. I liked it, but I studied a lot, you know, to get it done. And so I kind of went under radar because with females with the inattentive predominance, um, you know, they're not necessarily the ones that are hyperactive yeah. and can draw attention to something being wrong or something being a challenge with their wiring. So I think that's what happened. And so for me, the way it was, um, as I call unroot, is that when I got to the point where I didn't no longer have the structure of parents waking you up in the morning and you're you're not in a situation where you're all you have to do in life is study because that's easy. Just study, just study. Right. study. And if you like science anyway, it's not hard to study because, you, you know, that was my dopamine and that was fine. But then when you get to the situation in the real world where you're expected to be on time somewhere on your own. And I don't just mean going to class. I mean, like being to work and you're expected to perform and be like spontaneous as it was required in residency. It's just like, whoa! Yeah. I, I just was exposed is basically what happened later on in life. Okay, that makes perfect sense. So there's a lot of people like me who decided to go for the diagnosis. And from my perspective or from my situation, I only went for the diagnosis because my kids were diagnosed. And it was more of curiousness and then also validation that I went for. But from your perspective, or can you give advice to people if they are trying to decide if they even need to get a diagnosis later on in life? I mean, some people are saying, does it make sense? Some people do not want the stigma around it or do not like the stigma around it. So right. what advice would you give to people if they're trying to decide as an adult, whether they should go for diagnosis or for testing or not? I think the main thing they should maybe first ask themselves is, what is knowing this information going to do to help me? Or what benefit is it to even know this? Or am I having any challenges or struggles in my life that would require for me to find out or have a diagnosis in order to get assistance or help in life? So if you have a diagnosis of ADHD, um, depending on how severe your symptoms are, 
you may not need special accommodations or assistance, but let's say you, you do have it, but you're doing fine. You're able to get things accomplished and, you know, no one's, uh, your job is not being compromised or, you know, you're feeling good on life. Then not knowing might just be the thing you just don't know. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. However, if you're struggling and you're having challenges and you're on the brink of maybe losing your job or your relationship is falling apart or you're just frustrated and can't figure it all out, I think it's worthwhile to, you know, formally get the diagnosis or it might not even be it. You know, some people, most people who have the diagnosis, they know, like, they know, you know what I mean? But um, if you have that question, then um, go get formally checked out. But if you're good as, let's put it this way. Now that I think about it, if you didn't have to ask that question, just go get yourself checked. (laughs) You wouldn't, (laughs) I'm going to keep it simple because you wouldn't be asking the question of whether you should or not if there wasn't something about your life that is being compromised as a result of it. Right. That's how I feel. And you know, it's really interesting because I'm, I was used to doing things the way that I was doing them and didn't realize the pressure that was putting myself under until I knew I had ADHD and all the connections to it. So sometimes mm-hmm. you don't even know why you're doing the, the things that you do, right? You just right. are doing right. it. And so once right. I got the diagnosis, like I said, for me, it was validation. It also just, you know, like I share with other people, it took a weight off my shoulders because I understood that's why I did those things or that's why I yes. made that decision. So it was just yes. a huge thing for me. So that that's yes. really good. Yeah. And yeah. I agree. That's what becomes the explanation. Mm-hmm. The explanation. That's, it explains why. So right. you also are less um, frustrated with your own self yes. as well. Yes. You know, because, you know, I've come to a point where I know that something's going to happen that was not planned or something that I didn't intend to do. Mm. So instead of beating myself up, I'll just have more grace and mercy yeah. for myself and just, you know, try to get it right in the future and learn from it. That's definitely right. thing is to learn from the errors. Yeah, I love that. Okay, let's move into the core morbidity side. So can you define what is core morbidity? So the term comorbidity is basically a term that represents having one or more condition, whether it's medical or psychological, in the same individual. So two diagnoses at once. And that comorbidity or that diagnosis can come early in life. For example, I have ADHD, um, which was early in life before I even knew anything, before I recognized it. And then it can also come later on, like another diagnosis, for example, major depressive disorder can come later on. So then you can have two at the same time that affect your life, basically. And they kind of can have a cumulative effect, Mm. you know, with each other. So, you know, if the ADHD or let's say if the depression is not managed, then the ADHD is heightened Mm. because you, you baseline need to have that challenge or that diagnosis addressed before the ADHD can really, you know, be on course and managed appropriately. Or the other way around is, let's say, well, let's just put it this way. Also in the medical term, like in medical diagnoses, for example, 25% of patients that have like chronic ongoing conditions like diabetes, heart disease, cancer, uh, rheumatoid disease, about 25% have major depressive disorder. Mm. So it makes sense because, you know, those long-term conditions can cause you to be depressed, no doubt. 
you know, those need to be addressed, but those are long, ongoing situations as well. But if the depression is not managed, it's going to actually make those other conditions more difficult to manage. Because if you're depressed, you're not going to have that motivation to take your medication. You're not going to have that motivation to go to your doctor's appointment. You're going to be like, you know what, I have this problem. I might as well just, what's the point? You know, so managing both, whatever it is, is important so that you don't have the cumulative um, negative outcome of them. Okay. And is it common for those who have ADHD to have some type of comorbidity? Yes, it is common. Actually, I would say probably up to 60% of patients with ADHD do have other diagnoses. It could be anxiety. It could be depression. Mm. Um, ADHD and bipolar can coexist. That's less frequent than it is to have, you know, aid, sorry, depression and ADHD mm. is more common than depression and bipolar disorder, but it does happen. And as I mentioned, it, it makes sense because oftentimes the frustration of having the ADHD and you're not being able to, you know, maybe reach your potential or you feel like a letdown or you're just trying hard and you're not doing what everyone else is doing can cause, you know, that depression to, to be a factor for yourself. Okay, that makes sure. sense. And so you mentioned that having some type of core morbid diagnosis can actually make the ADHD symptoms worse. So to be yes. clear, yes. are you supposed to manage that core morbid situation versus managing the ADHD first? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Oftentimes the the comorbid, let's say we'll call it the primary diagnosis, is probably affecting you more. And then the ADHD is being either more affected by that one not being managed. So for example, I'll give you a clear example. So if someone is bipolar and they're having a dramatic episode, mm -hmm. that ADHD is going to also kind of fly off the rocket as well, because they're going to be disorganized when you scatter all over the place. When you're okay. in mania, you're, you know, you're hyperactive and you're, you don't, you talk really fast and you don't get any sleep and not getting sleep affects ADHD because you need a rest. You know, so the bipolar disorder being managed appropriately will kind of quiet it down okay. and then you can get management for the ADHD. I see. However, if you're a manic and you want to just say, oh, I'm going to treat my ADHD and you give someone's given a stimulant, then that can set that mania off even more. And, and that's okay. a problem with it itself. Okay. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. So the, the primary diagnosis is usually the one that's affecting you like the most. Pretty okay. much that makes because sense. the ADHD, you know, it's it's always there, but depending on how well the primary diagnosis is addressed, then you know it'll kind of determine the severity of the ADHD. That makes okay. sense. Yeah. Of how loud it is. Okay. So you had mentioned that some things do happen over time, which makes sense because if you're going through certain traumas or stressful situations, you can right. develop these certain things over time. But mm -hmm. are there times when they are born with it or is it mostly you have a comorbidity situation after the fact or later on in life? Well, you know, there are trauma induced type of diagnosis like, you know, PTSD often comorbid with depression, comorbid depression, PTSD, they can go hand in hand. So you can be, you know, maybe genetically more predisposed to definitely ADHD is highly genetic. So if you're okay. born ADHD, that's what you were served, so to speak. And then you can, um, you know, later on 
have depression because maybe it's a family history or you okay. have some triggers that make the depression um, more of a visible diagnosis for yourself. So I'm not sure if I answered your question, but it can kind of, um, you can acquire it and then you can also like, you know, just be born with it okay. as well. Okay. So you can be born. So like, for example, somebody can be born with ADHD and OCD. And then there's our oh, situations yeah. oh, yeah. where people are born with ADHD, but then develop, like you said, anxiety and depression over time. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. And, you know, ADHD can also be secondary if you're not born with it from trauma. Like if you have, okay. um, you know, a brain injury that can actually precipitate you to have ADHD like symptoms or a mm-hmm. stroke even. Because depending on where that stroke was um, presented, if it's the frontal lobe, then if that part where the executive function is being managed, so to speak, is damaged, then you're going to kind of, you know, portray yourself or act like a person with ADHD because you don't have that frontal lobe intact appropriately. Okay. As opposed to being born with it, you acquired it based on that uh, medical situation that occurred okay. you know, in the brain. Okay, that makes sense. And so you had talked about managing how people can manage their multiple diagnosis. So if it happened over time, so I just want to be clear, if it happened over time, managing the, like you said, the primary, right? Do you manage the primary first? So it can help with, for example, the ADHD. So if you develop this depression and anxiety over time, you're managing that piece. So it can help with the ADHD piece. Now, is that correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. For sure. So if you're born with both, how do you deal with that? So like the OCD and ADHD, if you're born with both, how do you work through those type of situations? Well, I mean, honestly, the the diagnosis for, let's say, OCD, you're going to, you don't, you're not, let's put it, you're predisposed, but you're not born with it. Like, you don't get born with that diagnosis. ADHD, you get diagnosed later on in life where it's more manifest. So I think more so it's not, you don't really, I don't say you make the decision. You don't choose how you manage it. Manage it. You go to the appropriate resource and the, the you know physician to help you you know manage it and to be on the appropriate treatment regimen, whether it's medication, whether it's cognitive behavioral therapy, whether it's uh, exercise regimen. Because reality is, if you overall are, are well, then everything you have under the sun kind of gets dealt with. So gotcha. for me, for example, I know. Um, you know, if I'm not, if I don't sleep well, the ADHD is more of an issue. You know, if I am dehydrated or if I'm not eating enough, the ADHD is an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a diagnosis of depression, which is, you know, being medically managed, mm-hmm. but frankly, that's not even, that's kind of like in the back burner type okay. of deal. Like I'm not going to, you know, I, I honestly consider ADHD as the primary for me, okay. but um, I guess the, the point is, you know, you don't so much focus on that. Let, let your, the healthcare provider determine or, you know, how they're going to finesse, so to speak, your management of it and go with the program, you know, and you don't decide, oh, I'm not going to worry about that diagnosis. I'm just going to treat this one. No, just follow, you know, the guidance of whoever's taking care of you. And, you know, just overall, you know, like I said, follow the guidance to stay on track for your, for your wellness, you know, but just keep in mind that the presence of one is going to affect the other one. Okay. You know, and it's less likely to have just a single diagnosis without anything else going on okay. at the same time. And that makes actually perfect sense because when I sat down with the RN, he basically said, okay, so you have ADHD and you have anxiety and depression. We are going to treat this piece. 
And so the anxiety and depression piece, but mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. him feeding me that suggestion. And so, mm. and it actually surprised me. I don't know why it surprised mm. me, but it surprised me because I just thought he was just going to treat my ADHD, but he says, mm. no, this is what we need to work on. This is where mm-hmm. I can see the main struggles. So this is how we're going to focus. And then as this gets better, we can look at the ADHD piece. So that makes perfect right. sense. You are in the right hands. So I know I'm in being interviewed. I want to ask you a question. Um, So what made you think that you needed to only be managing the ADHD or like, you know what I mean? Like what kind of made you slant towards that and not think that the other parts would be, you know, necessary to treat? Because I really didn't understand whether it was the ADHD causing my anxiety and depression it was the opposite for me. So I figure if they manage my ADHD, maybe my anxiety and depression would get better. Mm. But in his, after talking with him and giving him my issues, he says, no, we need to manage this. (laughs) He was like, let's work on this piece and it will help your ADHD piece. (laughs) So, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Can I give you, I'm gonna give you a concrete example of how, you know, I had a diagnosis, I have a diagnosis of anxiety. I feel like that's a little in the back burner as well. If I'm all anxious at all, it might be just um, something. Let me tell you something that happened last year. When when Floyd, um, George Floyd's situation occurred, my anxiety went up the roof, the roof. And and my ADHD was managed the same way it was before. But like I was just like on edge and like that just like was like an overpowering situation. And so it affected me at work because I was slower just like I was just not focused, you know, and it was just caused me high anxiety. And that was something that, I mean, it was there in the background, but it arose and then kind of affected my, you know, the ADHD um, at the same time. But then, you know, as things progressed, I kind of healed and whatnot, then it, it got better. We just have to understand that, how can I explain it? Our bodies are, all, everything's linked up. So, you know, for us to have anxiety, depression, and ADHD kind of in the same human, it's not surprising because, you know, the neurotransmitters that are involved with anxiety and depression, like serotonin, they're both involved in, in you know, gotcha. the lack of those are both involved, you know, so dopamine is more the ADHD, you know, component in terms of the lack of neurotransmitter. But at the same time, medicines like Wellbutrin, which help to have you more, give you more dopamine, are also used to manage depression. So, you know, the overlap of the neurotransmitters in your brain that affect your mood and your motivation and your energy levels, it makes sense that you have the crossover of other diagnoses that can um, be all together at the same time because they're crossing kind of similar neural pathways to, you know, that affect your wellness. OC, for example, is very much a serotonin-based situation. So it makes sense where if serotonin is low in depression, then and also an OCD that you can have both of those kind of at the same time. So just to wrap it up for the core morbidity piece, is there anything that we miss, anything else that a person should know, anything they should look for? Well, I would say, uh, I'll be specific for ADHD. If you have an ADHD diagnosis, and let's say you got diagnosed when you were a kid, Mm -hmm. but then you notice that something might be still a little bit off. Like, you know, you're losing hope. You don't have any motivation to do anything. And I don't mean just because you don't know where to start. This is the difference. With depression, you don't even want to start. 
don't even, you have no desire to start with depression. ADHD, it's like, you don't know where to start. Right. Okay, I want to, but I'm just overwhelmed. There's too many different directions to go. You know what I mean? So if you are experiencing symptoms of like no interest in things you usually would have interest in, it's worthwhile to have a deeper look into what's going on, you know, psychologically with you so that you are, are well. So because the point is don't miss any comorbid diagnosis, just being fixated on, I have one diagnosis and that's all I'm aware of. And that's what I was told 25 years ago. And that's it because life happens and your brain can change as well. So just be mindful that there's other possibilities that could be happening or it could be just, you need to exercise more. It could be as simple as that, but you know, if you have a concern and you know, a person knows themselves better than any doctor that they go and see to evaluate them. If you know something's off, you know, go looking to see what else could be going on with your body. And are there any resources out there, whether it be books or YouTube channels or podcasts that you can suggest if they want to dive deep deeper into this uh, topic? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say necessarily there's one, you know, key source for comorbidities, like directly, specifically. But in general, you know, just learning about all the different types of psychiatric diagnosis, um, a psychiatrist friend of mine recommended the um, the APA, American uh, Psychiatry Association, okay. on their website. They have a whole, you know, database of plethora of patient-friendly information that talks about all the diagnoses, and that can help you to just understand. And you'll see the overlap in regards to how you can have both at the same time. And then call that your comorbid resource, so to speak, I would say. I don't want to plug any one particular person or thing because then someone else might feel left out. But um, <laughs> there are lots of YouTube channels of that, that talk about this diagnosis. We all know about um, Attitude Magazine, right? I right. can say that. We all know about Attitude. I hope we do. Right. But um, I'm, I'm really leave it at that. Okay, perfect. But the key <laughs> is, you know yourself better than anybody else. So if you feel something's off, go, go, go check it out. It comes to this channel. I mean, or this, this, this site. It's great. So just to close it out, if they have any more questions for you, Dr. Kalaki, how can they get a hold of you? All right. I'm on Instagram, this underscore MD underscore Kalaki, K-L-A-K-I. Um, I, I, I say this a lot. My page is not necessarily an ADHD page. It's just me and whatever I, I decide to put on there. But you can send me a direct message and, um, you know, just don't say I have a question. Just go for your question. That'll be helpful for me so I can kind of know what it's about. Because if it's generic, I'm like, I don't have time for this. So be specific. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just keeping it real. Be specific, you know, in terms of what you're um, questioning about. And I'll be glad to um, help you out. If I don't know, I'll look it up and and, and, uh, inform you appropriately. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was really good. I learned something. Very, very new, especially trying to say core morbid and core morbidity. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, think about it. When do you use each? So it's two parts. Co-morbid, co-morbid. Co means together. And then morbid, when something's morbid, it's like really bad. Yeah. So yeah. they're bad together. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Bye, Dr. Clark. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.